Have you seen the movie Hoop Dreams? Yes, I have. I love I love the movie Hoop Dreams. <laughs> <laughs> every I mean every Hoop fan has seen the movie Hoop Dreams. I, I mean I would hope if you're born in like the seventies or eighties you've seen this movie. Yeah. <laughs> So um, we'll, 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 we'll take that. We'll take yeah. that to the heart. He says yeah. 70s and 80s, AG. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, but what, what were your thoughts, though, when you saw it? For me, an experience of seeing entertainment with, uh, with basketball put together and to be able to touch people's hearts through basketball and, like, you know, to, to be able to tell stories in a way that, like, you know, if, if I'm not necessarily watching uh, basketball every day in and out, you can sort of see what, what the life of people would be like who, who are playing basketball. And like, that's, that's an important thing. Um, and I think that's like, that expands the game to everyone. And uh, mm-hmm. we need to be having that storytelling. And so, so I think that those are like my earliest impressions, like to be turning on like a, a movie channel, like HBO and seeing like, you know, hoop dreams on there. And like, you know, it's not like I'm watching NBC, the game on, on Sunday afternoon or something. Hoop dreams, the podcast and unlearning network production. I mean, I gotta say you, you are first international guest. So and yeah, we go we go we gonna put you in the international category, but we know you got some love for the states too. But Aj yeah. is gonna be a great one. Uh, we got an international guests on this episode because the man that is joining us today, I ain't gonna hold this against him, Ag. Right. But he did come from the University of Wisconsin Madison. He has he's a Badger in his heart. Yeah. I only say that because of that that Badger Marquette. You know, rivalry there. But uh, he has worked throughout Greater China the past 20 years in communication and athletic management. He is one of the few uh, foreign-born licensed player agents in China, and he is now the co-founder and CEO of East Asia Super League, which you're going to love to hear what this is all about, also known as the EASL the premier regional championship competition for club basketball in East Asia, also featuring teams from Greater China, Japan, Korea, and the Philippines. We'd like to welcome to the Hoop Dreams podcast, Mr. Matt Byer. I'm Will Gates, and that's my dog. Arthur Ag. thanks for coming on the show, Matt, man. It's a pleasure to meet you, man. Thank you, uh, Will and Ag. I mean, this is a, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, Matt, thank you so much. Uh, you know, East Asia Super League is is growing right now, and and we've been doing a lot of things recently uh, here in the U.S. I'm in Los Angeles right now, uh, getting ready for our inaugural season. Um, maybe some people have heard the news that we just uh, formed a collaboration with uh, Jalen Green from Houston Rockets, and uh, mm-hmm. he's uh, mm-hmm. uh, one of our uh, investor ambassadors. And uh, also out here seeing Baron Davis and Meta World Peace, who are also uh, in, uh, investors in the business and um, big supporters. So, so we're excited for our first season, which starts in a home and away format this October. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'd love to tell you guys more about it, too. That's awesome, man. Man, that is going to be huge. Some big names right there. Baron Davis, 
Ron Artet, big, big metal world peace. So all of these uh, gentlemen who have come on to support uh, East Asia Super League are really um, hyping up the, the game in Asia due to their own personal connections. Um, mm -hmm. And um, we're, we, we are uh, featuring the top teams from greater China, Japan, Korea, and the Philippines uh, in mm -hmm. a format that plays two small groups of four teams, home and away. And then the top two teams in the small groups then qualify for a final four competition. And that final four will rotate uh, among big Asian cities year on year. And it looks like our first final four happening in March 2023 is going to be in Manila, Philippines. And then we uh, look like year two is probably going to be uh, Okinawa. And then uh, we'll, we'll just keep going around the region uh, at, at these top cities. And uh, that experience is going to have a, a music festival uh, and uh, like uh, a lot of parties and activations around it. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, we, we'd love to see our friends from from the U.S. out there, uh, you know, enjoying themselves and, and seeing this. So uh, it's the top top Asian basketball league and we're aiming to be by 2025 uh, top three league in the world in terms of commercial revenue and, and also fan base size because we cover uh, 1.7 billion people among all our geographies. So it's a lot wow. of people. Oh, my goodness. So this this is all I heard, AG. I heard him say that he was inviting us to the Final Four in 2023. I think that's what I heard. Yeah. You know, because, <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. you know I, I, I love the Philippines. I, I love it. Yeah. I, who doesn't? I mean, the, the, the motto of the country is it's more fun in the Philippines, which is, it definitely Absolutely. is. Yeah. So, hey, Matt, uh, let me ask you this. How yeah. long, how long, uh, how do you put something like this together? How long has this been in the works? Yeah, so I mean, we, I started being in, in the basketball industry in 2007 when uh, Yi Jian Lian was uh, drafted by the Milwaukee Bucks, and uh, I was his translator. And then um, after that, just, uh, you know, it was the bug to be in the, the industry. And so uh, on my, I, I was working in a PR firm in Beijing, um, after finishing with the Bucks, and then um, I, on my weekends, I was studying to be an agent, and uh, I was going to Beijing Sports University uh, Saturday and Sunday and taking a class. And then they, uh, the the people at the the university, asked uh, the the Ministry of Sport in China if I would be qualified to take the exam and to be certified as an agent. Um, and mm. they said, yeah, they would welcome someone from a different country. And so uh, I took the exam and. Uh, got the certification, and then I got the certification from the China Basketball Association, and then started an agency um, where we were bringing in uh, about forty percent of the American players in the China Basketball Association for uh, uh, an eight-year period, and uh, that wow. included guys like uh, Will Bynum, Emmanuel Mudiay, uh, Lance Stevenson, uh, Justin mm. Hamilton, Jeremy Lin, etc. So. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we were we were uh, doing good business, and then, but but at the same time, it, I just thought, you know, there's so much passion for the game, and you see all of these tours every off season, like Nike's there, Adidas is there, Under Armour. Um, the the fans are go crazy for the game, but then um, you, you're you're really seeing that the the local leagues themselves kind of need a facelift and something new to get the mm -hmm. fans excited. It's really this international competition element, and then in terms of like raising the level of the game uh the, the better the game is uh in these international games the 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 level of the players is going to improve and you're going to see more and more asian players going into the nba and and that's a good thing too 
uh, you know, makes the NBA a much more exciting uh, element with like, say you get a player from China every season, a player from Japan every season. It's just like the European players in the NBA now with, you know, who are incredibly successful. Our podcast is a little bit different too. We, we, we want to get all the beginnings. So we kind of jumped ahead on a lot of things. So we want to back you up a second. Let us back you up because we actually got, what I'm, what I'm recognizing, man, through your story so far, there's two origin stories. There's your personal origin story, how you got to where you are, but there's also the birth of the EASL. So we want to dive into them. But first, you're born and raised up there in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, I, I, got, I got two questions for you, and you got to answer this question. First is I want to know what was it like growing up in the buyer household. But then after you answer that, I got a very difficult question for you. Yeah. What is a badger? Um, okay. So I, I actually grew up in, in Milwaukee and then went to college in Madison. So I grew up um, and my, my uh, I, I had a great, I loved uh, growing up in, in my household. Um, and I especially liked it when I was 10 and, and my family adopted two kids from China because that's kind of like how I got onto that side of the world. And so mm-hmm. uh, I had already, always had a family like, uh, with adopted cousins. I have one cousin from Brazil, one from Philippines, um, and then my adopted siblings. And so, um, you know, I, I just always felt like our, our family was like, uh, had a lot of interesting elements and, and, um, that was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, after that though, that's, that's why I moved immediately from high school to, to China was also, I mean, growing up in, in Milwaukee and in the suburbs of it too, is like pretty, uh, it's pretty vanilla. And so, uh, yeah. I wanted to get out and to see something completely different. And that's, that's why I, uh, I went to China and uh, I experienced something completely different. And then after two years. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver. It's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. There's two and a half years there. That's when I um, I went to uh, uh, back to Madison, and then um, that's that's where I was a badger. And a badger is a mean little animal that lives in a tree stump and like comes out and <laughs> scratches and, and bites at the things when it when they're disturbed. So uh, you know, um it's a it's a pretty vicious thing. So but but we seem to in football, I remember getting beaten up by the Wolverines quite a bit. So um oh. basketball we were we were we were kicking ass, but uh but yeah, football so so. Yeah they gave Marquette a run. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Marquette probably was scared to play him. Hey, now yeah, we ain't gonna say all that. We ain't gonna say that. Marquette's Marquette's always. Uh, I feel like having having a lot more up and down than the Badgers. Like, I mean, Badgers are consistent, but uh, I mean, Marquette is a uh, is just a, a powerhouse. I mean, look at all of the superstars. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I remember in high school, like with my friends who were already going to Marquette, like goes to a party and oh man that's Dwayne Wade or that's uh that's Steve Novak or something you know it's been it's been like from from the beginning I guess that that evolution was just um I 
I, I really, I grew up in a household with a lot of love, but I also kind of felt like the world's really big and I wanted to go do, do a bunch of different things. And, and I yeah. think that's what East Asia Super League has like been the manifestation of that. That's beautiful, that's man. Brothers, sisters. Uh, I have I have two sisters and uh, one brother. So one biological sister and uh, and and one uh, brother who's adopted as well. Mm-hmm. So um, wow. yeah, and I'm the oldest. Yeah, so um, we're all really close. That's all right. Dad. That's interesting because that's great. You had that's great. You grew up like that and that you like you, you you like you wanted to get out and see the world. You know what I'm saying? Like you just didn't want to go to college and all of that. You, I'm going to go to China, like go to a whole nother, you know what I'm saying, place. And some kids are would it would be the opposite. They would be scared to leave their family. You know what I'm saying? Or what you know, you know kind of shy and don't want to experience the world like that. You know, but but you you know you had that that's a great attribute to have and grow up and wanting to do. I think it was more just uh, uh, my family was really just cool about it. I said, like, hey, I wanted to do this. And they were like, well, you know, show us a plan. Like, you're going to go to a school and uh, you've got somewhere to live. And, okay, Mm -hmm. you know, um, you're going to have a job on the side to, you know, learn how to work. And, okay, all of that matches uh, our expectations and go and have fun and and learn a lot. and. yeah, I mean the world's a big place. Like it's just uh it's it's amazing to uh you know have these experiences and it's like you can travel around and meet so many diff- different types of people and and the game of basketball is like that's uh that's another thing where you kind of parachute into any city in the world and as long as there's a basketball culture you're going to meet like the coolest people out there. Yeah. That's what I love about you yeah. know my life in the game. Hey, so being in China, did you meet uh Stefan Marbury? I have met Stefan Marbury. Uh yeah. yeah. I mean, he's he's a legend. There's a golden statue outside of uh the Beijing <laughs> stadium yeah. for for Steph. I mean, he's he is the guy. I remember clearly I was sitting there, it's 2009 CBA All-Star game in Beijing, and I'm up in like a, a box, and then uh sitting there with my friend watching, I'm like, man, Steph. Like, cause I'd seen him 2007 on the Knicks and, and, uh, you know, it was, it was kind of coming to the end there. And, and, uh, and then, you know, he's, he's just tearing it up. And I'm like, if we get more guys like Steph from the U S like, you know, the level of the league is just going to change incredibly. And he was really the first guy to be super visible and to be telling Mm. guys like, Hey, this isn't like scary. You go to China, you're going to get paid on time. You're going to have a new chance at your career. And mm. I really think that he's he's just an ambassador for for uh, for something. You know, to, to just getting so many great players to come to China. That's what's up. So it's Yao yeah. Ming and Steph. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like Yao is now the commissioner of the league, and uh, you, you know he's he's been a like it's from 2016 in this leadership position and um he's really working hard to make the league a sustainable uh strong thing for for young players you know when he was going to the nba it was very hard for a chinese player to get out of the the chinese system and to to go into the nba and he just said you know he wanted players to be able to move freely across the world to 
to pursue the best career for them. And uh, yeah. I think he's done great things in terms of improving the, the league in China after his playing career, which, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I think uh, it, it's an unknown story. He's a, Yao Ming is a great guy. Yeah, I bet. He seems like it. Every, everybody I know talk about him always, you know, talks about him in great fashion. Yeah, um, you know, one of our uh, our strategic advisors is uh, is Bill Duffy, who um, is representing Luka Doncic and uh, R.J. Barrett, and um, uh, he was Steve yeah. Nash, and Yao Ming, um, his whole career. And but Bill's always like Yao's like the best dude ever, you know. So, um, and Bill's good people. Like he's uh, he's the best, the best man. I can imagine that, man. I, I want to ask you, man, about and which, and I just want to say this too, man. I was just, just for all the Wisconsin Badger fans listening, I love the university. Ag and I, we we know plenty of guys who played there from our era, from Mike Friend to Tracy Dilly. I mean, it's it's a legendary school. But I want to ask you about your experience there because you chose to study Chinese literature journalism and and East Asian studies. I guess my question for you is, man, did you foresee the growth of Asia? Did something like turn you to to that? Because to go to school, to make that your major, what was the process behind that? Well, I'd already lived in China for like two years uh, prior to that, like after high school. And so I was in school learning Chinese. I, I actually, my first semester there, um, I just took a test and I passed all of the, like the, the Chinese uh, undergraduate courses. Um, and I, I then got into the master's and PhD stuff for the Chinese literature. And, and I mean, that's like, that's like boot camp of school. Like we were reading like, we were reading like a novel every week, like in Chinese. And sometimes it's like Chinese that, that even people, uh, you know, high school college students have trouble with who are native speakers and so i was just just my brain was like you know uh exercising. <laughs> i just was thinking you know like i'm here I, I need to get a degree like this is important and uh i want to study something that that i'm good at and that um i i like and uh yeah just it, it was good and then i i kind of saw that like okay your 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 major if it's just about like reading books and analyzing books it's like the, the, the skills in the real world are not that big. So uh, I, I went to journalism school too. And, and uh, UW has like a top five journalism school in the country. And, mm-hmm. and I was like, you know, I, I learned how to write and that helped me like get a job in PR and, and you know, work in media and, and uh, whatnot. So, I, I mean, it was just like, it, it was like great. I mean, UW, that's the thing about all those big 10 schools is like, you think about the sports, but it's like the academics are just so strong. And, and uh, yeah. you know, it was, it was so great to be like from Wisconsin and, and uh, able to get that in-state tuition and just like, you know, if you want to study something, it's all there. Yeah, so I, I was really I, ha- I haven't I haven't traveled to an Asian country yet. Have you, Will? I'm going to say no. Manila, guys. I mean, we're talking about this final four. Um, yeah, uh, that. If you guys uh, want to do it, I, I'm we're we're game. We're hosting. We can talk about that later. But <laughs> you're welcome. Right, Mark, right. We are we are we are on our way. We are on yeah. our way. As a matter of fact, we get off the call. I'm going to get me a passport. We are on our way. My next question for you though is, um, 
we want to we want to kind of transition into your work. Yeah. Uh, what you do, man? How do you go from like how did, how did you know there was a tie in with sports in all of this? Well, I I was I was lucky because um, when I was sitting there, I had just done this contest in in um, it was at the Chicago Chinese Consulate, and it was for like Chinese speakers in the Midwest and. I, I won this contest and I was being sent to China for this uh, show of like top Chinese speakers, uh, you know, who are not Chinese in the world. And then they drafted me to the Milwaukee Bucks. And I, I was like, okay, if anyone's going to be qualified to be this guy's translator, I think it's me. And I'm, I'm here in Wisconsin. I got to try for this. So I, I was like, I was interning at a PR agency and my boss happened to know someone working for the Bucks, the, the general manager. And so, um, you know, I would just, and if you remember about that draft, he didn't want to go to Milwaukee. His agent wanted him mm -hmm. to go to Los Angeles or a big market. Yeah. And, uh, so they were holding out. And so I was giving my boss, uh, I would take the Chinese news about the issue and I would translate a summary and I would give it to my boss that he would send it to the bucks every day. We did this from the draft at the end of June until he showed up at the team. And then he showed up at the team he really couldn't communicate with the media or anything. And then I got a call and they said, Hey, can you come for an interview tomorrow? And so I just, I got, I got in my car and I, uh, I, I drove from Madison to Milwaukee and, you know, it's like, Hey, can you translate for this interview with ESPN? And okay, sure. Why not? Like, you know, and then there I was like, traveling with the team on the plane, like, you know, two weeks later, it was awesome. Damn. Can, can you believe that, AG? I mean, think about that. I mean, literally, Matt, you, you, you're like one of the rare few guys who literally can say, no, my, my education has paid off for me. Like, you're not into something different. You're, you were doing what you went to school to do, man. That's amazing. Just what you just said, that whole story was crazy. Yeah. I mean, for you to, to translate what, and then send it in every day. 22 years old too. I mean, it was like, it was awesome. You know, all of a sudden, I remember going the first trip to Houston and we go in there and we take the team bus to the Four Seasons. And I was kind of like asked, you know, oh, someone came and gave me a card. This is your room. And I thought, I go, I'm like, this is my room, you know, like, you know, just for me. I thought I was going to be like staying, you know, down the, down the street at the Motel 6 and sharing a room. Right. <laughs> You know, but it was awesome. So now I would think the player, ye, you know, he he would want to develop a relationship with you, or is it just strictly just show up to my interviews and just say what I say? Like we don't we don't have a relationship. Like how how was that? Did he like you? Yeah, I mean, you were cool. Like he he um he, I mean, he's he's a very like uh like serious guy. I mean. He's not, um, he's not really like a joker or anything like that. So, I mean, we, it took a long time for us to, to warm up to one another, I would say, but mm. the level of trust is, is there and, you know, we still keep in touch and, um, uh, occasionally just, uh, you know, holiday greetings, whatnot. Um, mm. but, I mean, he's a good dude. Like he's, and if you ask any coach, they're just like top professional, you know, just, uh, like he, 
he's he's always the the first in the locker room, the last to leave. He's you know putting in the extra work at practice. I mean, mm. he's like uh, you know mid thirties now, but still just like top player in China, and he has been wow. since he left the NBA for. I mean, now it's like ten years after his NBA career. He's still playing. Wow, wow. that's amazing. Wow. I always like the Yee's game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His was he was here in the NBA. Now he would be a very valuable player, but there was still the traditional big men back in that that time, you know. So, yep. like, I mean, he's he would be like the big man in today's NBA. Wow. Here's the thing I want. I, I just got to throw this at you, Matt. You know, you said earlier that your friends was throwing at you. Oh, I, I'm that's Dwayne Wade. That's Steve Novak. But man, you sitting here with the Milwaukee Bucks. How was those conversations with your friends? There was a lot of things that you know, just being around those guys. Like, um, I some of them were you know really cool and and always just engaging, and and uh, some of them were more reserved. Um, I would I spent a lot of time chatting with um, Dan Gazarich, uh, like um, Andrew Bogut. Um, else um i even remember ramon sessions was the second um round pick that year and then it's mm. funny because uh i ended up doing a deal as an agent for him like you know what would that have been like 11 years later or something like that so i mean these guys mm. you know he was, he was such a cool guy like always just you'd see him holding the door for people being like super nice and and polite and everything and and 11 years later he shows up in china he's like the same dude and you know it's just kind of <laughs> It, you know, so there was a, there was a lot of really good good guys that uh, were were around on the team, and and um, Michael Red was uh, you know obviously the biggest presence in in the in the team at the time, and um, yep. there were big personalities like uh, Desmond Mason, um, you know, mm-hmm. like, and you know just it was it was a fun locker room, but it was not a very good team. I think there was uh, twenty six wins that that season, so. Um, you know, it was kind of like if you if you went on the road, it was probably going to be a, a quiet plane ride back. Mm. <laughs> it was it was a lot of those that year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but it, I mean, there was there was a lot of things that was like eyes wide open that season for sure. Traveling with an NBA team when, especially I think when you're new and it's like sort of the same age as the players, like it's it's a, it's, yeah. it's very exciting. <laughs> you know. So 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 you're 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 in you're in China. Can you talk to us a little bit about just that transition for you? Like what what is it like navigating a new country? And I know you spent some time there, but but now you you you're there permanently. Was it an easy transition? Were there stretches where it was just tough? And then I think my bigger question is, did you ever say to yourself, man, I'm just ready to go home? It's definitely something, and, and you know, the thing about China is like it's just been moving so fast. It's like the the level of change that happens there is amazing. You know, like I've gone from seeing when when we adopted my siblings in 1996 until like now. I mean, from the country which is pretty much rural and extreme poverty to like you know people being extremely wealthy and and uh, in the big cities especially and. I mean, just all of the changes with it have been incredible. Um, but, uh, you know, when the when the COVID pandemic came and, and you can kind of see, like, uh, the different shutdowns of, 
of borders and whatnot, like yeah. some of that has been very harsh. Uh, so like, uh, and, and that's, you know, part of the, the, the initial reason of I've, I've been in Hong Kong for the last six years. And, um, so, uh, came from, from Hong Kong when they started shutting down in February to the States to, to keep working. Um, mm. because right now, uh, there's still border controls with like quarantines and hotels. Like, uh, my wife went back, uh, for something and, and she's in a hotel for seven days right now. And, uh, you know, that stuff, uh, I think, you know, now it's, it's, we're two and a half years into this. And, it, you know, if you're still having these types of controls, like it just gets really hard on people. And, uh, you know, myself included. <laughs> so, yeah. So your wife, your wife is in a hotel right now for seven days. Yeah. I mean, she's in the W she's not complaining, but, uh, it's, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I mean, she's like, she's got like, you know, whatever bath salts and all this, you know, things. Yeah, room <laughs> service, TV, yeah. big yeah. bed. But, I mean, right. still, like, it, look, like I'm thank God that, you know, to have the, the means to be able to to do something like that for my wife and, and for, you know, her sanity. But like there's a lot of people who say, you know, they're staying in not very nice hotels and, yeah. and uh, you know, you, you've got a little room and you're there. And before the quarantine was not only seven days, it was up to 21 days at one point. So, you know, I mean, Ooh. that's hard. That's hard for people, you know, and it's expensive. Yeah. So just for you to go from another place back to your own home and then to, to pay that is like, you know, it's tough. So yep. that, mentally, the, mentally. The, 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 the pandemic is, uh, it's been tough on everyone. You know, I mean, yeah. who in the world has escaped this uh, without some sort of pain, you know? You know, it's interesting you bring that up, though. Can you talk to us a little bit how the pandemic, because I mean, because again, you know, if it's the United States, China, you know, kind of like, I want to say fighting, but um, you, you're, you're kind of seeing it from that perspective over there. What what was the perspective? I mean, I think that the way that, that China has, uh, has looked at the situation in its own media is that like the, the U.S. managed the, the pandemic in a very irresponsible way, like, you know, letting so many people die in the country. And What's poppin', guys? It's Jay Jonah here from Blowing Smoke. If you're a fan of fun, insightful, and breakthrough conversations, then be sure to check out and subscribe to The Blowing Smoke Podcast, a show that covers life experiences and firsthand testimonies from some of your biggest names in your favorite industries. And it's all brought to you exclusively right here by The Revolt Podcast Network. Network, anchored in hip hop, powered by creators. That's why the response is so harsh in China, where with all of the lockdowns and the borders closed and people locked in their houses. But you know, it's um, it's just like it. I think when you when you're there and um, you know, there's a lot more restrictions on what you can do, like when restaurants close or if you're allowed to dine in or if you are allowed to have these quarantines or not have these quarantines. I mean, it's like, it, I don't think anyone is totally getting it right. And uh, it just is one of those things where um, you have to be resilient as much as possible and you have to uh, stay close to your loved ones. And, um, you know, we all have to be like adaptable, agile, you know, know when to pivot, know when to read the play, 
like you know it's it's just like these are these are uh hard times you know just for everyone i think i mean and and now all of these people uh you know these billionaires who made crazy off the stock market that stuff's kind of like you know crumbling and so i think this is just you know interesting times that we live in and uh you know this this pandemic uh has made the world a bit crazy and and what i really hope for though is like it's it's all easy for us to sit here and identify problems and poke holes but what i really hope is you know we can we can try to find common ground i mean like we have to people just in general have to find ways to come together uh for the world to be better in the future that's the only way it gonna work did the pandemic help your starting to eat the AESL or did it hurt it? I mean, look, like, I think, I think there's certain things that helped and certain things that hurt a lot. But I think that overall, I, I think that if you ask most business owners, they tend to be optimistic or like generally optimistic. Otherwise you wouldn't go and, you know, risk your livelihood on starting a business. Uh, right. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, I think we transitioned from an events company because we had these huge tournaments that we were running 2017, 18, 19 in Macau, where we bring all of the teams together. And then our original plan is by 2020 that we transitioned to home and away. And uh, that's okay. and that's what we're doing now this October. But we got the opportunity to really spend uh, two years to plan and to also become a media company. So we have mm. like form content now we're about to do a reality series uh following the season with like one of the top korean reality series uh producers and and a director that's um made like several uh, oscar winning movies from korea and like you know it's it's gonna be like awesome to be able to have like our game that has been planned well all of the supporting content around it and then at the end of the season, this great uh, reality series, which is going to be, you know, a real, like, beautiful uh, production for people to enjoy. Mm. No doubt about that. Now, now, Matt, you you, you started here, and then we kind of did that movie format where we rewinded back. Yeah. So now we're back at the point where yeah. we started at. And give, how did the EASL come about? And tell us about the birth of that dream and the finding of it, you know, how did, how did that just come about? Yeah. The, the EASL is, uh, it's, it's really, it, it came about because there was a need for, uh, a way to take the passion of, uh, the fans for Asian basketball, the passion behind the regional rivalries that exist between the different countries in the region and, uh, there, there's only a certain amount of national team games and um, the games need to be produced in, in a higher quality way that's similar to NBA level production. So what could we do? And, and that's really where we, we came for EASL to produce this uh, home and away Champions League format of Asian basketball. And uh, that, that's what we're in the middle of starting at this moment. Wow. That is amazing. First of all, man, I just got to tell you this. The idea is amazing. I mean, the concept is incredible. I mean, to 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 bring, I mean, it's, AJ, it almost kind of remind me of how um, we used to do our summer leagues where 
all the all the champion teams will come and play from the from the different you know, parks to get a champion of a champion. I mean, is it is it something like that? Am I describing that right? It, it's the teams qualify through their own local league, and then they they so the team they, if your standings from this season, which just ended. That, that we know who our teams are who are qualified now because they they've just ended their mm-hmm. seasons that they play our season and then the next our next season will be the the, the teams that qualify from this 22 23 season coming up so i mean mm-hmm. that's just how it works so we make the league stronger we make the teams invest more and then we have like more buy in from all of the the people in the different markets for why East Asia Super League is a good thing for their market so visibility, so visibility is more correct. Uh, so, I mean the the visibility is huge. I mean, you take like say a uh, you know from Japan, a, a country of like 120 million people, and then you expose it to all of China and like a 1.7 billion person audience. It's it's a it's enormous. So, and I gotta ask you this too, man. The logistics behind this that that here you, I mean, for all purposes intent you are from america yeah how did the country take to you being the guy that you know to lead this i mean was there any backlash from that yeah i mean look i think that the rivalries between the countries make it so that it's really complicated for uh someone from one of those countries to pull this off so it was kind of like Mm. outsiders come in and and help and but but obviously because of the experience in China. And then we have a team of 30 people and everyone has experience in every different geography. And so there's a lot of like mm. trust and I have a great team. So, so, you know, as the team grew, we were able to bring in support from all the different countries. How are the teams made up? Are they made up of local players? And are, are there any Americans on these teams? Yeah, so... So the the teams are uh, we play with a twelve man roster on the bench, and then um, the, there'll be two Americans out of those twelve. And and I think like right now the the bigger household names that you're going to see are probably in the Japanese league. Um, right now, like in Asia, like so when COVID came and all of these lockdowns that we talked about with China happened, then a lot of the the better foreign players have shifted from China to Japan. And then um, Europe also like the, the European basketball market is, is the financials have gone down quite a bit too recently. So um, Mm. that that, uh, uh, Japan definitely has the best foreign players and domestically each of their teams play with three foreign players. So, uh, Mm. and, um, but for East Asia Super League, we play with two and unlimited playing time and, um, so the Japanese teams, I think, will have the best ones, but the Korean uh, teams have very good foreign players too. I mean, I just watched like uh, not this past season, but two ago, Jared Sullinger had a great year, and then um, this past season, Jameel Warney, he had a great year. Um, uh, mm. He was MVP for for that. So Korea's got some good players. In in Philippines, it's it's kind of varies season to season. Uh, Taiwan, their new key league is getting better, uh, foreign players. Um, and we also, the league, we have a, a Chinese team that we're launching, at, but that's going to play locally in the Philippines league. And then they're going to play regionally in East Asia super league. 
And that team is mostly Chinese players. And then um, also we're going to have some really good American players with that. And uh, we, we got the head coach from Team Australia, uh, Brian Gorgian. They just won a bronze medal in Tokyo. And then um, okay. the, the manager of the, I mean, like a GM consultant is Brian Colangelo, who's a big, you know, and a lot of NBA experience too. So um, that's going to be a badass team, I think. Wow. Would you ever put an all-American team in the league? We're going to do we're going to do a preseason tournament and we've been talking with different groups about this including um like uh Baron Davis and Meta World Peace working on putting a team together um under uh Baron's LA United and and Meta's mm-hmm. uh, versus X platforms for uh yeah. We're playing in a in a preseason tournament, and then we've also talking with French national team about doing some games uh, in the preseason, and also talking with overtime elite with putting their team together. Um, so, I mean, mm. we wanted to have different concepts of putting in like different American teams into the league. Um, yeah. In terms of like the actual season itself, like anything is possible, but. Um, I think we got to like just get this season off the ground and make sure that that we're 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 riding steady and then we can right. we're going to increase from 8 teams to 16 teams in season 3 and when we do that then um anything's possible because I think we'll probably with our existing geographies uh increase to like 12 to 14 teams and so I don't know what those other two teams could be maybe we'll have like guest teams uh you know we're pretty open I think what we want to yeah. do is like we know that the level of the basketball is obviously not as strong as the NBA and it's not as strong as like the Euro league. So we want the game right. to be entertaining and we want to bring in new concepts in there that like people are, mm-hmm. are like, Hey, this is like fun. Like even if I, if the hoops is like needs to get a bit better uh, to be competitive in the U S like we can still see something that we've never seen before at a basketball game. Oh, you said you said we should bring a hoop dreams team there. I think the hoop dreams team. I mean, look, like we just got to make sure that the insurance is is right for the team, and you know, <laughs> everyone's got to. I don't want to see any career ending injuries going. On. That's right. That's right. So I got two questions for you. Um, what is the pay like for these players, and what it where is the venue you're going to be playing at? The, so the venues are going to be every city. So like we 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 have teams in um, in Seoul, South Korea, um, in another city that's uh, not too far from Seoul. Um, we have a team in Japan that's one that's like an hour north of Tokyo, and then a, and another that's in Okinawa, um, Philippines. The teams are in Manila. I mentioned that Chinese team in Manila, so that's uh, that's three teams there in Manila. And then in Taiwan and in Taipei. So, um, you know, they're, they're all, all in that region. Um, we want to make sure that the the flights for the, in the season are, are reasonable. So like, you know, three, three hours, four hours, like we can't have guys like playing their, their own home league and then going and playing internationally and wearing themselves down too much, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, it's and the venues are going to be awesome. I mean, we have venues that are that that are as small as like six thousand all the way up to twenty two thousand. So the, the okay. a lot of different types of venues, and the broadcast is going to be great. Like great graphic, 
uh, great uh, AR. Um, you know, we're going to have like the ads where they'll, they'll show up on the court and they'll be ge geography specific. You know, um, it's, it's, uh, we're going to have 13 cameras in, in the arena. Um, wow. so, you know, a lot of different angles. Uh, we're going to have crews going around capturing stuff for our, our social media content as well as that reality show that I mentioned. Um, mm -hmm. we're gonna have that, a big crew of about 40 people that's going to go around to, the different cities and and get time footage for that reality show so like we're focused on giving the fans in the stands but like more like the fans all over the world who want to see the top quality asian basketball in prime time like this experience too so so matt are you like the adam silver of this league uh yes i i, I would say that's equivalent but um you know, I think I think as we go over time too, that that um, we're like in terms of top basketball uh, knowledge and everything, we're gonna have to get more experts in the team. I mean, uh, mm -hmm. we have a great team, um, but like you know, when I see how specialized the NBA is in terms of all of these uh, disciplines at the top management level, it's like mm -hmm. you know we always have much to learn. And, and my other question for you is the the format, and AJ alluded a little bit to this. Are the players just playing for a championship, or are they playing for money? The players are playing for a million dollar prize, um, which is what the championship team gets. So, um, wow. And and uh, you, like these team budgets, like in the Philippines, they're generally about three four million dollars, and then all the way up to like say. Uh, 15 or so in Japan. And so, mm -hmm. you know, a million dollars is a lot of money to the team and to the players. And most of right. the team will, will uh, make a significant portion of that, if not the whole thing being bonuses that are split among the players. So, and you okay. can imagine that, like, you know, in, in these leagues, the top paid players are usually no more than a million dollars or like, you know, whatever. So if you got another fifty thousand coming to you or something, that's that's a good that's a good payday. So yeah. uh, the players are incentivized, and then we we pay the teams an appearance fee and prize money for winning. We take care of all of their expenses. So it's really just like a no risk thing for anyone to be involved. Um, yeah, and we're just adding value to the ecosystem. That's beautiful. I just seen Michael Beasley uh, just signed a seven-figure deal with the CBA. Yeah, yeah, he did. Uh, Michael is, like, uh, probably the perfect player for the CBA, in my opinion. I mean, that guy just tears it up. Like, I've never seen – he's fast, he can shoot, he's athletic. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's just uh, – he's a beast, uh, incredible yeah. player. I, I I mean he I didn't I didn't know his handle I did not know his handle was that tight like that where he can he can get from the three point line and bag you down do a twist move I'm talking about then do another move and lay the ball in or dunk it I did not know his handles was tight like that Yeah I mean I think I think there's like a few players that you know there is a there's a few seasons back when you were seeing a lot of these call ups at the end of the CBA season and you know there are certain guys like Beasley was one of them. And, and I, I think that like sometimes that experience of just like, 
being able to have the ball in your hand and do whatever you want, like makes them more confident when they come back and have another chance in the NBA. Hey, Matt, did Lance Stevenson bring his, bring his swag over there? Oh, Lance is the star of our last event in, 12, in, in, in uh, you know, the terrific 12 in, in 2019. And I'm, I know there's pictures of him and I doing that guitar thing on the internet. Um, so, oh, yeah. <laughs> Lance, make him dance. Lance, make him dance. <laughs> he's great. Lance is awesome. I mean, he's he's a big I mean he's a professional like and but he's like he just gets it done he's super st- tough and and just such a smart player and and yeah. uh I mean yeah I, I I love Wayne Stevenson now Matt you do some prominent investor names out there that's on board including some former NBA players can you talk a little bit about how they got involved with the project I've known Meta World Keys for over 10 years now. And, um, you know, the, from when he was going over to China on his, his shoe tours for peak and, um, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and then, um, got to know, uh, Shane Battier through another party. Um, and he was really supportive of, of this vision. And, and he, he'd also been a longtime peak athlete himself. And then, mm-hmm. um, also, uh, with Baron got, got connected through someone he's really big in the web 3.0 and uh and crypto nft space and everything so um he that baron um his friend introduced us and and it was just uh and and i talked to other players as well um who were not interested in um in investing and in, in working with us and um i should add on also jalen green from from last week that announcement and and i mean all these players have uh, Baron was the first American player to sign with Li Ning, and uh, you know Jalen is half Filipino, so um, it's uh, it's it's really just um, you know everyone has a connection to to the mm. region, has had positive yeah. experiences in Asia, and and uh, you know they, uh, I mean Meta said it best one time when I was sitting with him, just like I've I have like it's done such good things for me and my family. So it's like, I want to be able to be a part of the, you know, the, what's the next generation of this game in Asia. Um, Because it's it's not just about Asian fans watching the NBA. It's about them having a great league for, for their own players too. I'd be curious to know that you guys reach out to the, the Jordan Clarkson family. Uh, I, we don't know them. Um, I mean, Jordan is a, is, like uh, he's probably going to play on the Philippine national team soon. I heard. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, wow. Jordan. Jordan is also like an incredibly. I mean, the thing is in the Philippines is that basketball is like above all sports, like by far. Um, if uh, there's there's a stat I saw that like in the country of 110 million people, 52 million people watch a live game every week. So wow. that's. That's over half the population. So you can go up to like, you know, a 20-year-old girl on the street and say, who's the starting five on the national team? And she'd probably know. And, like, that's no joke. And, like, and I mean, you can't do that, like, in, in Los Angeles. or You know, it's not. It, 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 and so it's, uh, it's, it's uh, so, so these guys, Jordan Clarks and Jalen Green, like, um, you know, Coach Spo, like, these guys are all, like, up at the level of Manny Pacquiao in society, you know, really mm-hmm. like 
you know, demigod status. That is amazing. Wow, 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 wow. So so when does the league launch officially? October twelfth is our first game. Um so so we we've got we've got the first game, um, an early game and a late game. Um we, we're usually playing every week with like two games happening and then um because uh Japan and Korea are an hour later than China and the Philippines. So um we just uh, use the time difference, and then um, we'll we'll play every week on Wednesday, except for during FIFA World Cup, and then FIBA has their two national team windows in uh, November and February. So it, I mean, it's it's, it's a six month season versus what we used to do, which is a week long tournament. And like, what's the great about the week long tournament is like you know every day feels like you're at the NBA Finals, and you've got like sixteen mm-hmm. games week and like you know those beginning stages are four games a day it's super good ball you got everyone together but it's like from a commercial perspective it goes up like this and then down like that and mm-hmm. with the six-month season you just you can bring in the sponsors the media rights holders can promote to advertisers like you can build the buzz between each game etc so so we're just super yeah. excited for that because it, it changes the nature of our business completely you know, I didn't know Will um, the and one guys was doing was touring over in Asia, and they kind of mm-hmm. they kind of gave that you know that that culture to and exploded it down there in the Philippines. Like when the professor and them went down there, mm-hmm. like I mean, that was like mm-hmm. what in the two thousands when Kobe would show up, when um, you know any of these tours come through. Like I mean, it's it's like the second coming of Christ. Like it's just incredible. (laughs) Like people are really like, you know, they've got tattoos of the whole, you know, face on their arm. You know, it's, it's, it's uh, on the court. I've seen some outdoor courts painted with the whole NBA player on it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's true. I mean, it's uh, the, the passion for the game in the Philippines is like none other. I mean, um, Wow. You know, when I was sitting with Yao Ming talking about the, the league uh, before the pandemic in his office, he said that if if China had the same fans of the Philippines, that we would win every game that we play in for the, you know, the national team because the fans are just like, you know, you can't hear anything for the entire game. They're just like yelling the entire time. I just got to ask you this, Matt. Man, it has to be amazing to be in the position that you are right now. I mean, you are creating and have created, you know, something that can become the standard over there. I mean, you know, you're going to grow every year. I mean, how does that feel just to be, you know, on the ground floor building this? Like, this is your baby. This is yours. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I want it to be that, uh, it's it's just like uh, when when you talk about basketball and, and basketball culture, and it's like what are the first few uh, names that pop up, and you know, hoop dreams is there, and and I want everyone when to be thinking like, hey, East Asia Super League is is something I saw like you know one of our short form videos, and it inspired me to either play or to you know, uh, to, to paint a picture of someone doing basketball, uh, you know, something and, or, or to design a shirt with some basketball elements. It's like, you know, the, the game is, is about, is about the, you know, 
making people better. And, and that's, that's what I think that, you know, what we want to inspire. And, uh, it, yeah, that's, that's the mission I would say. Well, what you got me inspired, man. Listen, my, my, man, we want to appreciate you being on the show, man. Uh, my dog got one final question for you, man. Hit him with it, AG. Where does Matt Byer see his hoop dream EASL league in five years? Yeah, I, well, I see it as we're going to be a, I mean, we're, we're going to be up there when people talk about NBA, Euro League. Uh, they're also going to be talking about EASL. It's like, uh, if you there think you about this region, where we are going to be the first globally relevant basketball league or just sports league in general that's coming out of Asia, and uh, mm. kids are going to know it. They're going to they're going to know our TikTok videos. Uh, uh, you know, their parents are going to have are going to know who the American players are playing on the teams. Um, you know, it, it's it's just going to be uh, top of mind when you think basketball. You think the ASL. I'm the gold of my era. I've been a trending topic. I'm as fly as a feather. My pocket's macroscopic. See, with time, I get better. I'm always in the action, kid. No, I got it locked from Chicago where the toughest live. Concrete jungle, earn my stripes on the pavement there. You make it here, then you can make it anywhere. No comparison. Your game is embarrassing. No one can touch me. I'm all for going there again. Yeah, I think I'm ballin' like I'm Will Gates. I'm hoop dreaming, trying to fight against a sealed fate. More faith, think I'm ballin' like I'm Martha Ag. I'm box office, and one day they gon' have to pay me. Yeah, I think I'm ballin' like I'm Will Gates. I'm hoop dreaming, trying to fight against a sealed fate. More faith, think I'm ballin' like I'm Martha Ag. I'm box office, and one day they gon' have to pay me. Hoop Dreams, the podcast, an Unlearning Network production. Written and produced by Arthur Agee, Will Gates, Matt Hoffer, with audio engineering from Matt Savage. For more episodes, check us out at www.unlearningnetwork.com. Gotta be a dog to survive in this cold weather. Ice in my veins, no need for a warm sweater. I'm coming forward, all best believe I won't let up, yeah. Hey, I think I'm balling like I'm Will Gates. I'm hoop dreaming, trying to fight against a seal fate. More faith, think I'm ballin' like I'm Martha Agee. I'm box office in one day, they gon' have to pay me. Yeah, I think I'm ballin' like I'm Will Gates. I'm hoop dreamin', tryna fight against a seal fate. More faith, think I'm ballin' like I'm Martha Agee. I'm box office in one day, they gon' have to pay me.